3: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's go! This is the Lombardi Line with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard on VCN.
4: We welcome you in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM from downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. I'm Ben Wilson. It is not Mike Pritchard, mm. but we had to have a mic. Yeah. But we have Lombardi, Pritchard, and now Palm. Mike Palm, good to see you, man.
5: Very honored to be asked to sit in uh, on on the Lombardi line. A lot of respect for Michael and uh, been a guest on the show uh, many times throughout the years. So uh, let's have some fun.
4: Absolutely. and We're here at Circa. Mike, VP of Operations at the Circa D and uh, Golden Gate. It has been quite the... (laughs) playoff stretch for you guys here at the book and, and a lot of line movement now into conference championship weekend, especially with this AFC game.
5: It's been a, a teaser central. I mean, these teasers, yeah. uh, it's hard to lose a teaser. It seems like, you know, the only game last weekend that really wasn't a tease game was the bills because you know, the line sat at five and a half, didn't get to six mm-hmm. to late. Um, so that game wasn't teased much. The other three, you tease Dallas, you win. And then of course everybody had the the parlor, the, the teaser parlay on Saturday with the two favorites. And then this this game's interesting, both games to me, because you heard a lot of uh, bookmakers say throughout the course of the year, San Francisco Philly's going to be a pick. They're power rated about the same, even in, you know. But how could you make it a pick? Because you could tease either side to seven, you know, and you'd get hammered with Eagles teasers being at mm-hmm. home. It's the same thing here when this Chiefs game, which, uh, you know, we saw the line movement here. KC opens one. Then it goes one the other way. Then one and a half, two, some spots, two and a half. We're still toggling between one and one and a half. Can it get to three? I, I don't know because then you can tease the home team to seven, up seven to ten. So I, it, it's interesting. Of course, obviously, the big question mark is Pat Mahomes. Uh, Is there any chance he doesn't go? And then if he does go, how limited is he going to be? Right. We'll continue
4: our full breakdowns on both the conference championship games on the show today. No new news as far as the injury on Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. We're not expecting to get much new news throughout the week with his high right ankle sprain. The news of the day, though, and this, this was pretty stunning, at least for people who paid attention to the odds all year. When the finalists come out, not any surprises on any of the major awards except Coach of the Year, where... Minus money, closing favorite Nick Sirianni of the Philadelphia Eagles is not one of the three finalists, even though there was some reporting earlier to the contrary. NFL reported five different <laughs> finalists, which that, and it's still on the NFL website if you look right now, which is not true. There's only three finalists. The Associated Press released their three, and Nick Sirianni is not one of them. How about
5: that, and maybe the NFL is trying to soften the blow to all these people that had the favorite in Sirianni, who I think from week four on was the favorite in this market. Uh,
1: Amazing,
5: a, a wire to wire. I always said if they could go sixteen and one or fifteen and two, that that this would be a combo of of Hertz and Sirianni. Then of course Hertz gets hurt, Mahomes becomes the prohibitive favorite. I didn't think that he wouldn't make the top three. I know Doug Peterson got some some steam late, and obviously Shanahan having the rookie quarterback go undefeated. Uh, and then in a lot of people's corner, obviously, Brian Dable, whose Giants uh, overachieved for that roster. Right. Uh, Brian
4: Dable, Doug Peterson, Kyle Shanahan. Those are the actual three <laughs> finals. It it amazes me, though, Mike, how, and I get that, like, especially for us here at Vison, where we're, you know, 24-hour betting network, There have, you have to find different things to talk about. It's amazing to me how every single season, though, we talk ourselves into these different narratives that are completely dependent on a panel of voters who oftentimes see the game completely differently than we as bettors do and yet the betting markets are kind of seen as gospel in a sense yet they really they really shouldn't be right if you look at how the history goes with this stuff
5: i think the most consistent thing is the mvp voting that you can predict mm-hmm. um but you know i fall victim to it not necessarily in the nfl i don't get involved but i love to make cy young futures in baseball right and then i have to i have to I have to uh, rely on a group of writers who might not see things differently uh, Mm -hmm. than I. And of course, baseball driven by statistics, but what statistics are most important for the pitchers? It is pretty head scratching that Sirianni didn't make the top three here. Minus two hundred
4: before week (laughs) sixteen was a minus one seventy five closing favorite. If if we're going off the bet MGM numbers, like I've I've been a victim of this too. Like having the the case I always point to is Dak Prescott last season in the comeback player of the year market where. If you're trying to, like, to try to handicap media narrative, it's such a dangerous, slippery slope to go on. I remember last year betting Prescott at about minus 160. It was week three, week four, thinking, okay, the the nation watched this guy in a primetime Fox window have his ankle essentially turn in a 45-degree direction. They're going to bet Prescott. Like, that will be the vote for Comeback Player of the Year. What happens? Uh, Prescott gets up to minus 2,000. A lot of books took that off the market. Joe Burrow had three great weeks at the end of the year, and it's Burrow who ends up winning. I'm not saying I was—you know—it wasn't a bad beat. Burrow probably deserved to win the award. It's just when you try to get into that mentality of handicapping
5: voters, it's—it uh, is—it is dangerous, and I would not recommend it. I, uh, you know, that's even a tougher one for me, Ben, because define comeback player of the exactly. year. You came back from yes. sucking. You came back from an injury, right? I mean, what yeah. what are you coming back from? So. There's some of that uncertainty into that
4: market as well. I mean, Christian McCaffrey, who's one of the comeback player of the year finalists, uh, he, he came back from getting <laughs> traded?
5: Uh, what? <laughs> he came back from a bad team to a good team. Yeah, that's um. a
4: great comeback story. You're able to get, get that trade. Geno Smith, uh, the Seahawks quarterback, Saquon Barkley, Giants running back the other uh, comeback player of the year finalist. So it's just, it just interesting to think about and going forward especially because like i always say when we're we're doing shows in july it's you know you're going through every single prop imaginable on the nfl board trying to find some value as much as you're going to want to talk yourself into these these sexy coach of the year bets and i knew a lot of people who loved o'connell this year at, at 20 to 1. that was a good bet guy doesn't even come close to sniffing the award so maybe tread
5: carefully going forward. until you watch him call plays on third and fourth down Oh, uh, uh, that's yes. You know, when, when <laughs> yeah. Amal and I had our show, we would go through and come up with our favorite prop for each team, right? And the head coach would always be in the market. But I always said to Amal, everybody's between 12 and 16 to 1, so how do you find the value there? To me, because every basically everybody, you paint them with a brush, and there's a few guys more than 20 to 1, but do they have a reasonable shot? I, I think when you look at this, and, and it's very interesting, right? Because Dable, they really only went two and a half games over their win total. Mm-hmm. Um Peterson, they went three games over their win total. So Shanahan, but boy, that's a loaded roster too. So I mean, I, I actually right now for coach of the year, wouldn't be surprised at any of the three if they were named. Right. It <laughs> heard a lot of support late in the year on Dable, but
4: again, this is a, and this is also a regular season award too. You yeah. have to keep that in mind. Yeah. I looked at the opening odds that we get from BetMGM and at least for this show and what? almost half the coaches in the league were between 14 and 20 to one. So, and nobody was longer. I mean, the longest guy on the board was, the longest guys were, were Mike McCarthy, Matt Rule, uh, Arthur Smith, and Lovie Smith at 40 to one.
5: Those are the longest guys and and rightfully so i guess,
4: probably right? Right, <laughs> rightly so uh at, at the end of the day so that at least that was a big big piece of news uh for for today you, at least as we, we run through the finalists for the other uh, it's not a surprise to see these patrick mahomes jalen hurts justin jefferson your offensive player of the year finalists nick bosa micah parsons chris jones defensive player of the year finalists, and then uh, the the mvp which is it, it's felt like to be decided for some time patrick mahomes closes a a giant minus money favorite he jalen hurts Justin Jefferson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, all the MVP finalists. And it will also have the similar thing, too. Like, let's say Mahomes looks really shaky playing on one leg this week, and Joe Burrow looks awesome. And then you'll get the awards come out, and people say, well, how can you possibly have Mahomes the MVP? Mm. He was terrible in the playoffs. Well, it's not a playoff award, so keep that in mind, too.
5: Yeah, and you know know who didn't make the top three and didn't make the top five and maybe didn't even make the top eight for head coach? Andy Reid. But, you know, all Mm -hmm. they did was let their number one receiver go, let the honey badger go and go 6 and 0 in a division that many said was the greatest of all time the yep. afc no yep. one had ever seen a division like the afc west so kudos to mahomes and andy reed what they did this year in that division and you know remember last year they weren't the number 1 seed it was the tennessee titans so with arguably a lot more talented offensive team last year they they overachieved on offense this year i i thought reed did a great job actually protecting mahomes and then of course he gets rolled up on last week but they had leads in games. They ran the ball a lot this year. He he, he shortened games. Um, and then in the games where he needed it, like in Houston, he let Mahomes go, and he was, what, 27 for 27 mm-hmm. to his top three targets. So uh, I think well-deserved for Mahomes. If Hurts had remained healthy and played all the way through the year, it would have been an interesting vote. Yeah, no question. But
4: Eagles lose three times in the regular season. Uh, Andy Reid finished 100-1. to uh, at least on the, on the odds board. I, I told uh, Michael Lombardi before Tennessee completely fell off a cliff, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was insane to have Mike Vrabel at 100-1 to when they were leading the division by two games, given the personnel. So you, uh, to me, you get drastic differences of opinion, and that's sometimes reflected on the odds board. And uh, we'll see this week. I mean, if, if there was ever a coach you would trust to come up with a game plan mm-hmm. with a hobbled quarterback, given just... Just the general creativity of Andy Reid. I mean, isn't it him with Kansas City taking on the Bengals this week? Oh, I
5: absolutely agree with that. And, you know, he's had to use Henny in the playoffs before. As we've seen Mahomes get hurt, and Henny comes in for portions of games Mm -hmm. um, before I think Mahomes puts himself back in the game. I I think they let him make those decisions, which I don't know if they're always the best, but... um, I said last week, you know, Doug Peterson is probably an advantage in in most matchups in the AFC playoffs, but he really wasn't last week against Andy Reid. Reid's very good. If Andy Reid can figure out the last minute of a first half, and how to score and not give the other team another possession, I, I wouldn't yeah. have any marks against him. Yeah, that, that's the only thing. It right? holds him back, he,
4: and you, you leave yourself scratching your head with a lot of the in-game decisions, but from a just a game-planning, scheming perspective, it's, it's a guy you trust I'm heading into this week. Uh, the other news of the day from the NFL, I bring this up just because I, I know you appreciate the uh, going into, into the, the nerdiness of the NFL referees, but I, I found myself saying, really? Carl Sheffers? Super Bowl referee? Really? The guy whose crew led the entire league in
5: penalties per game? Well, what's ridiculous about it is he had it two years ago. This is out of rotation. I, I would have bet a lot of money that Bill Vinovich would have assumed. Of course, yeah. they both did the, You know, it's somebody that's going to come from the divisional round because they're not going to go back to back with the conference championship games. I think Vinovich has clearly been now. Widely agreed upon as the best official in the NFL. He overcame that no pass interference call in the Superdome a few years ago. It wasn't his call, but Mm -hmm. his crew's call. I think he has the most control of the games. And Vinovich every year among the least penalties called and enforced. And Cheffers every year in the top two in flags thrown and a number one in yards enforced again this year. Why do you want to take the chance that the referee and that crew is going to become the storyline in the Super Bowl. He's been a bottom five official
4: to me. Like When you look at the overall, the refs and the amount of flags that are thrown, many of them needless, un- unnecessary penalties. Uh, Jeffers is at the top. He will be the Super Bowl ref, so keep that in mind for any props. that uh, you know, There are books that will offer the flag props in the Super Bowl. Just file that away for next week or in a couple weeks when those get posted. Uh, we still have a lot to get to here on the Lombardi line. We'll get our full breakdowns of each of the conference championship games. Starting next with the NFC, we'll look for some value.
2: So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
3: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumbacasino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase
0: necessary. Dweb Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
4: You're listening to the Lombardy line on VC with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly for gambling problem. Call one 800 522 so a lot for us to get to today on the Lombardi line. Charlie Goldsmith, who uh, covers the Cincinnati Bengals, will join us at the top of our next hour. Harry Gagden, our weekly Wednesday guest from the Against All Odds podcast, joins us at about uh, 12.30. Actually, 1.30 on the, uh, on the East Coast here. So we have Mike Paulman for Mike Pritchard, VP of Operations here at Circa. And uh, Mike, hasn't been as much movement on the NFC Championship game as AFC, but original opener for for your shop, one and a half, uh, right? So yep. San Francisco, Philadelphia, now up to two and a half pretty much market-wide. Every time the market started to show a little juice, though, on Philadelphia, it it still has not quite got yet gotten to three. And I'd, I'd certainly, if we get a three, uh, I'd imagine that will go right back down to the 49ers' side, wouldn't you think?
5: Yeah, I don't think it'll get to three. We opened one and a half. Most places opened two. Uh, the money has moved us to uh, two and a half as well. I, I um, you know, I I think a healthy. We all we all said last week, and we'll, Jalen Hurts will be the key, right? If it's, it's the, the healthy Jalen Hurts and What he adds in terms of mobility and to their designed run game makes a ton of difference to this Eagles offense. Um, You know, I like the Eagles in this spot laying less than than a touchdown. Uh, Dak Prescott did not play well last week. Dak, Dak Prescott needed to play as well as he played in Tampa Bay for Dallas to win that game, but he hasn't consistently shown that through the years. But when you go back here and look at San Francisco in this, you know, number three overall ranked defense, They've shown some chinks in the armor in the last month here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave up—they they gave up uh, over five yards uh, per play uh, to some to some not great teams. They they gave it up to David Blau uh, in that Arizona Cardinals game. Geno Smith, five point four yards per game in that wild card game. Uh, they looked their worst against the Raiders. They gave up seven yards per play. A little better last week. I think the game all you know, everybody said. Maher would be a factor, the missed extra points. He still was a factor. You're not going to tell me that if he hadn't had those Mr. Miss extra points issues, uh, in Tampa Bay, that McCarthy doesn't try that 53 yard field goal with, the uh, you know, with a minute to go mm-hmm. in the half to take a nine, six lead. McCarthy loves to kick 55, 60 yard field goals. Instead he passes. They get the first down, but then Pollard breaks his leg. It, it changed the course of that game as well. So, um, I respect the 49ers. I respect Purdy. Obviously, I'm from Iowa. He went to Iowa State. I watched him play a lot. 46 starts at Ames. And is there a bigger coaching upgrade than Matt Campbell to Kyle Shanahan? I don't know if we could maybe find one <laughs> from, from college the year, to the uh, pros. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to have to make plays. And this Eagles secondary, if not the best, one of the best two or three uh, in the NFL.
4: No question. It, it's why I wonder on the total as it slowly starts to creep up in the market, that that could be a very good angle if, if you're not interested in a side. Where it opened 45 and a half, market up to 46 and a half. As much as that is true, what you say on San Francisco's defense showing some struggles, Philadelphia's run defense has not been great. Uh, 23rd on an EPA per play basis, defending the run this year against a, an offense that's a top five in yards per play. You you watch the way San Francisco uses their their running backs and receivers and. In, in, in different ways to get them in, involved in the ground game or just those quick in-breaking routes where, like, to me, San Francisco isn't isn't going to try to attack the deep secondary areas of Philadelphia. It's all in-breaking routes with them. They've led the league the last five years. So it's interesting that the, the, it's a total of 46.5, kind of a middle ground-type total that easily could be surpassed, especially if you
5: believe Philadelphia has success against the Niner offense. Yeah, it's it's an interesting total. Uh, I, I lean myself to unders, obviously. That's where I mm-hmm. start in, in, in most sports outside of basketball. Um, but the argument has to be made here about can they exploit the weaknesses, and Philadelphia's run defense is their weakness. Uh, Will San Francisco be able to stay ahead of the chains with that creative running game? Obviously, they have a great possession receiver in Kittle who had the game of his career uh, Mm -hmm. against Dallas there to keep moving the chains, and so this is going to be a very interesting cat-and-mouse game, I think, from the perspective of how Kyle Shanahan calls this game, and how many chances is he actually going to take with Brock Purdy? Now, if they get down two scores, that might loosen them up here. And then, of course, the Eagles might be able to pin their ears back and rush Purdy a little bit more. But the the Eagles at full strength, we saw them the first, what, seven weeks of the year. They won every first half uh, against the points spread. They're a very mm-hmm. quick-starting team. It's hard to defend that six-back offense, and they've been in control of most games this year. So it'll be interesting here. I think the team that gets the upper hand and... If, if one team can get a two-score lead, if you can find a prop something like, you know, if either team gets a nine-point lead or ten, whatever they put it at, will they win the game? I think that's a yes prop in this game. Okay.
4: That would be an interesting way to look at it. Eagles, I'm seeing about a half-point first-half favorite if you wanted to, wanted to look that direction. I, I like San Francisco in the game as much as the San Francisco defensive struggles are, are somewhat concerning considering how they they're not not even close to being that elite defense of, say, uh, early 2000s Baltimore Ravens or yeah, 85 Bears defense. That that has been a little bit overblown. However, with how good Philadelphia looked on the ground, it's easy to forget that they were facing a Giants rush defense that was the worst in the league over the final six weeks, 30th in the league over the regular season. That step up in class, to, to me, Mike, you, you aren't going to see 150 rush yards before contact for Philadelphia this week. I mean, that 150 before contact... There were only six different teams who had at least 150 before contact in the, in the regular season and, and combined into the playoffs. The Eagles accounted for three of those games, and two were against the Giants. So I, like I had the Giants as the 14th power-rated team of the, in the playoffs for me. I had Minnesota 13th. And we're, we're overblowing this Philadelphia blowout performance over, over, Minnes- uh, over uh, a Giant team that had also been overblown by beating Minnesota. So it's a bit of an overreaction, at least how I, I see it, with the line going up. And I happily teased San Francisco uh, as soon as it got to two and a half. Do you have any future bets, Ben? I do not on San Francisco, no. Mm. Uh, But I, I, well, I am using San Francisco in our VC playoff Survivor, yes. Who did you use this past Uh, week? I I used Philadelphia this week, used Cincinnati week one, which is now, (laughs) so I could be out if, and that's the the fascinating part of a a Survivor format here at Circa. It's become incredibly popular with the regular season Survivor, and now a lot more people are doing playoff Survivor. Uh, but it makes for a very men- interesting mental breakdown, right? Because yeah, we have
5: to save who you think are going to be the Super Bowl ex- team. Essentially,
4: right? yeah. yeah. I mean, we have people in our pool who have used the Chiefs and Bengals already. So they're eliminated because they th- obviously thought that Buffalo would, you know, they were banking on Buffalo making a run. So now you're, you're screwed if you pick a team early and they end up making a run. So I use San Francisco this week. My plan is was to use them in the winner of Kansas City Buffalo in the Super Bowl and then just play the other side because I, to me, San Francisco was uh, the best team left.
5: Well, you're still very much. Old. How many people? How many started?
4: Twenty people? About yeah. It wasn't. A, it was not a giant. It was a very exclusive contest. Mike. And, and
5: yeah, I like the pentaflots. And, <laughs> and, how,
4: and, and how many are left? Now, uh, I want to say there's only been uh, a handful who have been eliminated. But
5: some are eliminated by
4: they have nobody left. Right. Some are te- like on the screen are yeah. showing is alive, yeah, uh-huh. but but <laughs> technically are are done. <laughs> So a few, a couple lost on Minnesota, and a couple had Buffalo this past week. As mm-hmm. I believe, if I, if memory serves me correct,
5: that's how it broke down. It's interesting how many people will go through undefeated out of twenty. Uh, and then yeah. you said you're going to chop. You're not doing any tiebreaker with no, no Super tie Bowl breaks. total very, or anything like that. It's a very
4: primitive contest. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not quite the circa with over six thousand uh, people. But that's, I mean, a teaser up as well. As much as I, I could see the game turning into an over type format. Teasing San Francisco to eight and a half—that was the most appealing teaser leg I have seen in, in quite some time. Even in a playoffs where it's been that can't miss teaser leg, <laughs> just about every single week.
5: Yeah, uh, I I can't pull myself to to take San Francisco on a teaser here, just because of the fact that it could. To me, I think the Eagles will get control of the game. Mm-hmm. That, that's my opinion. Um, so I wouldn't tease San Francisco here. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I think. And the opposite side, you're going to see a lot of Kansas City teasers uh, on the opposite side. So people will look to somebody. Obviously, you're not going to tease the Eagles because they're the favorite. So you might take... Uh, both dogs who are very, very good teams, uh, and I can see, understand getting the two scores.
4: Right. W- would make a, a lot of sense, yeah. at least in that front. Uh, the Lane Johnson right tackle piece, any concern for you if, if you like Philadelphia? Well,
5: obviously, it's it's somewhat of a concern. How about the, the kid that got arrested for San Francisco, too? They haven't made a decision, although he hasn't charged the defensive lineman. Charles Amenehu, yes. Yeah, Within uh, with any, uh, any crime, yes. He was booked on the domestic yeah. violence, so... Still waiting for the 49ers' official uh, statement yeah. on whether he's going to play. At
4: least, right, at least injury report too for San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey on there with a calf injury. He'll Probably play. he'll play. Elijah played. Mitchell, <laughs> same. Deal. Well, look, it's not that they won't play. Yeah. It's just McCaffrey didn't do anything last week. How how effective are you viewing that? That was more of a Dallas game plan against him, mm-hmm. or is the injury actually a real thing for McCaffrey? I don't that's, know.
5: I thought that he down. slammed pretty hard up into the line a couple times when they tried. Yeah. It didn't look like he was more more so maybe in the passing game right uh, with his ability to cut out of the backfield on those routes yeah i'm not a i'm not
4: a believer that he is even uh, most most players right now are less than 100% i'm not a believer that McCaffrey is just uh, insanely compromised right now, and if I did, I would not be betting San Francisco. Right. So uh, if this does get up to three, I would I would also take a small piece of Niners three. Although I, I if it does, Mike, it's probably going to be very brief, and it would be juiced, I would think, right? Uh, minus one twenty probably your your best chance to yeah. get a plus three. Yeah, it
5: might be one
4: twenty five. Yeah, even maybe that, and then probably back down. <laughs> so our early thoughts on uh, 49ers Eagles. We'll do our Bengals and Chiefs entire breakdown in hour number two. We'll mix things up though. Starting up next, uh, Mike Palm has some hockey he wants to talk about. We'll also get into the college basketball card for tonight. We, we're we're going to cover all the sports today. Special edition of the Lombardi line here on Visa.
0: You're listening to the Lombardi line on Visa with Ben Wilson
4: and Mike Pritchard. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games in the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only $9.99. That thats VSIN.com. V-S-I-N.com slash subscribe. Back with Mike Palm, VP of Operations here at Circa, the D, Golden Gate. You guys are ramping up a big, big Super Bowl party, right?
5: Big Super You're, Bowl, Circa? big Super Bowl parties. Well, at the downtown Las Vegas event center, we have a 6,000 person outdoor mm. party. We're going to have about 700 people in the ballroom here at Circa, uh, which are going to be invited casino players. Um, we have a retail party at the Detroit ballroom at the D on the twelfth floor. That's around four hundred folks. Uh and then obviously we'll have about four hundred people yeah. here behind us in the book. I think <laughs> I think the like the two end seats in the front row are the only ones that aren't already reserved and wow. deposits put down for and a couple booths that we hold for bigger players and then Stadium Swim will be incredible yeah. as well. People People don't realize if they haven't been here that the weather is normally very nice on Super Mm -hmm. Bowl weekend here. It's not, you know, obviously it's not warm, and there's a chance it could be a little cooler rainy, but generally it's in the 60s, and it's great for an outdoor party. Yeah, for people listening or watching
4: around the country, we don't mean to make people feel bad. It's just our winter is usually, like, Mm -hmm. January, and then... It That's was it.
5: cold for the Rams-Patriots. So I'll say
4: that. Okay. Cold and windy.
1: <laughs> cold. cold
5: and last windy. Last year was, was,
4: uh, was perfect. Yeah. We had, we had, we'll we have our full setup again uh, this year. Uh, we had the outdoor setup at the stadium swim last year, uh, which was great. And then after that, you go right into uh, March Madness preparations, which is uh, one of the events of the year. And here we are, Mike, under two months till Selection Sunday. A lot of teams getting into conference season that started off just guns blazing yeah. now find themselves in, in a, a tricky... Uh, bit of their schedule. UConn is one of the prime examples who uh, who immediately rose right to the top under uh, head coach and Dan Hurley. And I mean, I look at what's happened over the past few games for UConn, now five and five in the Big East, still laying a pretty sizable number tonight against Xavier, about six and a half market wide. But how concerned have you been with the, the, the recent stretch of form here for the Huskies?
5: Well, you know, I rely on other because I don't until football ends really start paying attention right. to college, but I don't bet it on a daily basis, especially not with doing it. We're not doing a daily show anymore. And I rely on you know, guys like Matt Eumanns and Amal Shaw. And Amal told me early, it was still November, bet UConn to win the national championship. The team is vastly underrated. And he, he looked uh, very prophetic as they got off to such a hot start and rose to the, the top of the rankings. And now some struggles in Big East play. This number seems high to me. I mean, Xavier's 8-1 and one, uh, in the Big East against a team that's 5-5. Five and five. I would have thought this number would have come back more towards three and a half than six and a half. We'll see where the market takes it. Probably nowhere near that number. But uh, I certainly couldn't lay this number, even though the game's in stores.
4: Opened eight pretty much market-wide, and it has been bet down a one-way traffic. Keep, keep in mind, the first meeting between the two teams was a few weeks ago. It was New Year's Eve at the Sintas Center in Cincinnati, and, and Xavier beat UConn as a, as a home dog that day. It is, I'm sure, especially for you, it's got to be odd, you know, as a historian of, of watching these these teams over the decades, to see Sean Miller back at Xavier, <laughs> yeah. second stint. It's like you're being, you know, you're right. being taken
5: in a time capsule back to the mid-2000s. It's, uh, it's a little bit surprising that uh, he's on the sidelines any, anywhere with some <laughs> well, of the issues a, he had. That's another conversation he, he, altogether. He, yeah, yeah he, had, he had at Arizona, but there's certainly a lot of energy it sent us, and he's okay. brought it back there. And this is a very good team. This is, I mean, they're ranked 13th. They're probably sitting on a four line right now in the, in the bracketology and can do some damage. We'll see tonight. Can they go into a tough place to play? I know UConn's been very good at home this it, year.
4: The thing, it, it, like, for one, on at least Sean Miller, say what you want about, yes, a lot of the things that have happened off the court with recruiting mm-hmm. violations, uh, it has it's, it's not looked good on his, like you know, for his re- legacy, but... That guy could coach. I mean, he's got—he's turned a Xavier program around basically immediately. And you number one. My only concern for the Musketeers going forward—they don't play defense, which is kind of an issue when you get to March. 96th in defensive efficiency. I don't know if does that get exposed tonight against a really sound uh, UConn team on both ends of the floor. I don't know. I'd, I would only lean toward the underdog price there with Xavier, but it has that feel, Mike, of a team that. Probably not ready to make a deep NCAA tournament run yet, and people might talk themselves into the Musketeers.
5: Yeah, you see it reflected in the total as well, their commitment to defense at 153.5 half half, for, yeah. for a hotly contested conference game. Um, but it starts with recruiting, too, ben, and, and and that's probably yeah. where some of his his problems come. But he is a very intense guy on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good in-game coach as well, actually. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, he's given a second chance on life here, and let's see what he can do with this program. It's obviously nowhere to go but up. Yeah, Xavier, immediately yeah, vaulting
4: <laughs> into the top 25 this season. Other uh, big news from over the weekend was the Houston Cougars, who just seemed well on their way to running the slate in the American. Upset loss at home to fall out of the number one ranking, Mike. Now third, how do you expect them to bounce back tonight? Uh, going on the road
5: now to take a, on a pretty pesky uh, UCF team. Well, if Calvin Sampson didn't have their attention, I think he got it with a loss at yeah. the Fertitta Center. I, I watched that whole game because it was up against the playoffs, uh, and, and I looked at Temple, who was, I think, up one or down one and a half, and it, the, the, the number was 11 for the game at that point, and it seemed mm. a bit tempting because they were getting good open threes against a pretty good defensive team in Houston. Uh, Temple was moving the ball around enough and hanging in there on the offensive glass Still, it, until it really got under three minutes, did you think, is really Temple really going to pull this upset? It's such a wide-open year, and you follow the sport. I think Alabama's awful good, and they're playing tonight against Mississippi State. But any time you have Purdue and Matt Painter at the top of the rankings, you, you can say it's going to it's going to be, a, a, you know, you can pick yep. seven or eight or ten teams that could win the NCAA tournament this year. No one has been consistently dominant. That, that is the big takeaway, really,
4: yeah. in, in the college basketball world this year, at least you know, for Houston, who would for the majority of the season has been the number one ranked team and the number one Ken Palm efficiency defense team. Actually, we're just passed by Tennessee. There's another one. Yeah. If, Rick Barnes is, uh, if Rick Barnes' coach team is at the top of a category, that also means there's probably a lot of upheaval this year. At least for tonight, Houston bet from an opener of minus seven up to minus 10. You would think with the way Houston plays such a suffocating defense under Calvin Sampson's scheme that, yes, if he gets their attention with an upset home loss to Temple, it could be a tough night for Johnny Dawkins, the Golden Knights. I don't know that I'd want to lay, though, a double-digit price now that it's moved three
5: points. Ten on the road is too much, Ben, for, for me to get involved with. Um, I'm impressed with the fact that Alabama played through this issue with the, the murder of their teammate. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's got to be a very troubling thing for the locker room there. The kid, I know he was it was done for the year, but was still a member of uh, of that squad and obviously kicked out of the— the university and they didn't miss a beat and uh, and picked up and covered mm-hmm. again. And I know it's a big number tonight, uh 13 and a half or so. Um, but I'm interested in this Alabama team. I think mm-hmm. I, I think they're a legitimate final four team.
4: Alabama, the before the Temple game Sunday, the only other team who had beaten Houston. Mm-hmm. It was a seventy one sixty five. Alabama went into the Fertitta Center. Mm-hmm. And and those those sorts of in season things, it, it goes one of two ways. You could you know you could have what happened in New Mexico State this year. And you know, I I cover the WAC, do that tournament every season for uh, for ESPN Plus here at the uh, the Orleans. They had a player, uh, Mike Peek. I mean, he was involved in a in a shooting incident against New Mexico. Uh, it was a, you know an off campus thing. It was sort of catfished to come to a you know a person's dorm. Very ugly situation. New Mexico did, State did not handle that well. Their coach tried to like well, he, he tried to prevent police from properly investigating. New Mexico State has completely fallen off the map. One of the preseason favorites to win the WAC. Yet you have Alabama on the other side who have. Yeah, they've been able to find find their way through it, still play good basketball, and are laying 12-and-a-half tonight against Mississippi State. But you have to consider them a legit Final Four contender.
5: I I really do, and they're going to probably be on the top line here. Um, a very winnable SEC, and they haven't lost yet 7-and-0 at, at the top of the rankings. Obviously, Auburn and Tennessee also in the top 15 there uh, in the SEC. Tell me about Northwestern. Oh, uh, Ben, they go, they go to yeah. Lincoln tonight, a short-road favorite. I mean, they're tied... Tied for third in the Big Ten right now at it's amazing. and Well, and think about too, we, we
4: with with all the pandemic era sort of you know rules and regulations seemingly out the window. Well, Northwestern, I mean, their entire team gets COVID. We were all sort of thinking, is especially as betters and as like his commentators ready for the season? All right, finally, we don't have to deal with any of this stuff. They were absolutely ravaged too, and the fact that they're still playing good ball upset Wisconsin uh, the other night. Uh, last night at uh, at home there. It's it's been really impressive to see what uh, what the Wildcats have done. Now laying uh, laying a short price on the road against Nebraska. That is an interesting spot though. With a keep in mind too, a lot of turnaround. games around quick
5: turnaround, right? And a lot of games now night, jammed
4: right? in. Uh, yeah,
5: Northwestern. Wisconsin was Monday night, I think. The, the
4: Wisconsin-Northwestern <laughs> yeah, the Wisconsin Northwestern game was was Monday. Yeah, yeah. beat Wisconsin by three. Now <laughs> uh, hadn't now hadn't played in yeah. eight days, yeah. but that's that's how it works because again they had to cancel a bunch of games for Northwestern at COVID outbreak, trying to reschedule things now. Uh, and you take on, you know, Nebraska for all their their struggles uh, under Fred Hoiberg. Look, I mean, they they've had some pesky results at home. Beat Ohio State, had an upset win there. Uh, took out, oh. you know, took I, out Iowa, who obviously at the time it was an impressive win. I don't know, Iowa's not uh,
5: really very very well since then. Uh, I know that holds Iowa State back. What the, what's happened to Iowa because yeah. of the, you know they had that loss. Speaking of Iowa State, how about Otzelberger and the job he's done? Uh, another. Yeah. Uh, Tough number to cover last night, but another good win at Hilton against a Kansas State team that was red hot, and I I think there's no question the Big 12 heads and shoulders above every other conference this year.
4: You argue it could be the best conference ever. I mean, if we're not for Texas Tech faltering and and stumbling out of the blocks 0-7 in Big 12 play, Big 12 going into conference play, no team outside the top 40. Think about that for a second.
5: Every single team in that conference in the top forty. Yeah. When TCU's up, I mean, it, it, it's so deep. And I always argue it's the best conference tournament every year. It is a good conference. Yeah, it's always great. Sprint Center, yep. Kansas City. Used to be Kemper. Used to be.
4: <laughs> used to be back in the day. Uh, so some, yeah, some rapid fire college basketball thoughts for you on a Wednesday. We'll get into some of the NHL games Mike has his eye on for tonight when we return to the Lombardi Line.
0: lombardi line on Set with ben wilson and mike
4: Pritchard. basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the king of sportsbooks just place a single first basket score prop bet on any nba game if your bet loses you receive up to 25 dollars back in free bets wager confidently and take your game to the next level with betmgm an authorized gaming partner of the nba just log into your account or download the betmgm app and sign up today then wager on any player to score the first basket in any nba game If your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in free bets. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawable free bets for site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. As you are in tune with the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Great to have Mike Palm filling in for uh, for Mike Pritchard, Mike Lombardi. Michael back tomorrow, along with uh, Patrick Maher as well. And after we do a little uh, roundabout college hoops discussion, Mike, we now turn to your favorite sport. I say your well, favorite. You you bet hockey though every I put, every day. Yes, much, I would right? say
5: I would say my three favorite sports. Okay. Um, from a betting perspective, are baseball, hockey, and soccer. So I put it up yeah. there with that. And I do I do bet hockey every day. Yeah. Um I'm happy with my future bets this this year. I, Boston? Boston. Because I always bet Jim Montgomery. Jim Montgomery wins wherever he went. And if he wouldn't have started messing with the owner's wife in Dallas, he might have brought he might have brought them a championship. But Jim Montgomery goes to Boston and this team, you know, thirty five to one before the year, and I mean I saw him as low as plus 520 in some markets this week. They come back last night. They, they give up the first goal mid-second to Montreal. Even covered the puck line. They were a $4 favorite. Covered the puck line at $1.30 for Andy McNeil. For all the pro subscribers, he gave out his top play yesterday. It was Bruins' puck line tied with three minutes to go, but they get the goal wow. in the empty netter to get wow. it done. Another team that I have in my future portfolio uh, is the Dallas Stars. Who set atop the Central Division right now with 64 points. Real good game in Dallas tonight with the Hurricanes. Uh, Hurricanes are great. Hurricanes, here's the thing about Carolina. They make you work every night to beat them. If you're going to mm-hmm. get two points from the Hurricanes, you're going to have to play a good game. They don't give anything away. Um, interesting game tonight, a pick them in Dallas. Uh, people forget about Jake Ottinger, how young he is. 24 years old. That team's got a yeah. bright future. Good special teams, good penalty kill, good on the power play. Um, I think they're better than they were last year when they, you know, they, they couldn't get over the hump in that in that great seven-game series uh, with the Flames. They're in a good position with the Avalanche obviously down uh, to make some noise in the West this year.
4: Right. Pick them tonight between eight. you. have yeah. two division leaders. The Hurricanes tied atop the Metropolitan with the New Jersey Devils who had a, yet another oh. uh, heart-stopping come-from-behind win last night. Beat, you're shaking your head. Uh, beat the, the Knights Golden Knights. I eat. don't know. They're, they're good know.
5: on the road. They were well, You could get a $1.50 with them last night. Banachek had won nine straight starts. They had them. They come down. They're 2-1, playing very well in the last period, protecting the lead, and then, you know.
4: Empty net goal with uh, what, y- y- 30 seconds y- left. Yeah, a minute, of game. A minute to go,
5: deflection, game. you know. It, it, it was just a tough beat, and then, of course, you know they're going to lose in overtime after the, how let that, what a letdown that was. Yeah. But they did play another good game on the road. From a betting standpoint with the Knights, fade them at home, they're always... Overpriced at home at the, and and take them on the road. If you've generally followed this this that formula this year, it's been successful. Yeah, the uh, the
4: Golden Knights have, have started to struggle a little bit as well after that a red hot start. Uh, you think about if we're just looking at you know kind of general storylines though at the top. I think a lot of people are wondering right now. Colorado Avalanche, your preseason Cup favorites, who have have just been it hasn't been a nightmare season. They've yeah. been solid. They'll be in the playoffs, third right now in in the Central Division in the Western Conference, but. Do you, do you really expect them to find a way to turn it around as we get to postseason?
5: I don't know. They're not generating enough goals. They're just okay, right? They've been an okay team, and that's not what we've come to expect the last three years uh, out of the Avalanche, which makes the West very interesting and the, and the, the Pacific specifically. I, I, I say you fade the Knights to win this division. I, I don't think the Knights win. Now, who do you? Who's your alternative? Is it one of the two teams from Alberta? Edmonton still doesn't play enough defense for me. Calgary, something missing there. Um, Obviously Markstrom hasn't been as good in net. And then we turn to the Seattle Kraken who host Vancouver Mm -hmm. tonight, Vancouver off the back to back Vancouver five, two over the Blackhawks, a red hot Blackhawks team, by the way, that's got to upset the front office, but (laughs) Vancouver under Rick Tockett and, and shame on that organization for what they did to Bruce Boudreau. We talked about it this morning with Mitch and Paul Bruce. There it is. I mean, having a guy that knows that he's going to get fired for over a month. And then you know for a week it's Rick Tockett, but he's got to wait to get out of his TNT contract. And you're a lame duck coach, and you don't have the guts just to fire the guy, let Mike Yow run the bench for a few games. But anyhow, I digress. It's a back-to-back. You'll see Spencer Martin tonight, I'm sure, in goal um, for Vancouver because Delia went last night. They only gave up 16 shots to the Blackhawks. They played a very good yeah. game last night, and yet they trailed 2-1 at one point in the second period. I think this Kraken team wins the West. Um, you know, for a, a expansion team, they were competitive. They just didn't score enough goals. They've solved that this year. You've got Grubauer in net. I know it's a pretty heavy price at around $1.70, $1.65. I'm going to take a look at them on the puck line tonight at plus 140 at home. Mm. That Seattle crowd, top five crowd in the NHL and only their second year in existence. It's an amazing atmosphere up there. And
4: Seattle, if, as you look at, look at the updated standings right now, look like only... Two points behind the Golden Knights also have three games in hand, though. So and keep, four games in hand on the Kings, mind. who
5: are between them and the yeah, Knights. Yeah, the yep. King,
4: Kings one point behind the Golden yep. Knights right now. The Kraken, it represents such a, an interesting dynamic, especially from the betting perspective, where the Golden Knights come in in 2017, have this miracle dream season, all those, those free 500-to-1 tickets given out among all the Las Vegas sportsbooks, and the Knights make the, the Stanley Cup final. When the Kraken come around last season in the first year, a lot of the, the consensus was, okay, there's no way that happens again. These things have to take time. Fade the Kraken. And that worked, went way under their projected points total. I remember some books had the Kraken like 40-1 to 1 to win the okay. Cup last year, trying to protect against the whole the whole Golden Knights thought. But now it, it seems to have evened out. And at least for the Kraken in year two, uh, the adjustments have been made. And, and now they're not the, the laughing stock. At least they were briefly in, uh, in year number one.
5: Yeah, I don't know that they were a laughing stock. They just... You know, the, when you only score 2.1 goals per game, it's very tough in the right. and today's NHL to win. Um, so the West is very wide open. You, I don't think you have the strength at the top of the West. I mean, Stars, Winnipeg, Knights, the Kings are up there right now. I mean, who says the Avalanche can't come out of the West again, too? I, I think six straight, so yeah. Wide open. Good win last night over the Capitals who have struggled on this road trip. The West is wide open. It seems to me all the strength really lies in the East where you have the Bruins, the Hurricanes. I don't know if the Maple Leafs will ever do anything in the playoffs. Lindy Ruff's got the Devils playing very well. They started out hot. They went through that slump where they lost six six or seven in a row, and now they're red hot again. And, uh, And, you know, you can never really count Tampa out. I know they're aging stars and they aren't the team they once were, but they're in the East as well. So I would say when you're looking at props, yeah, here are the Bruins plus four fifty. Give me the no price. I need circa to get somebody to bet at circa two way price on that. Get a no, get and, a no price uh, by thirty five on, to one and, and lay seven dollars on the no or seven fifty. <laughs> lock it up and not have to worry about a playoffs. You know, Ben, the NHL playoffs are the it's most um, totally non favorite f- favoring of yeah. anything because of the home ice and you got to win sixteen games. It's long and grinding. You see the eight ones in the in the NHL hundred times more than you do in the in the NBA or uh, anything like that with a one seed in the NFL.
4: It's funny, too, how you end up with a team like Toronto that gets pigeonholed into that. Okay, good regular season team, always seem to falter in the postseason. Is that, and look, you look at them tonight hosting the Rangers, who are also in, in playoff position. Toronto, as she said, lines come down a little bit towards the Rangers, about a dollar fifty-five to $1. sixty consensus favorite right now. Is that a team you look to to bet on in the regular season only to then fade in the postseason, or is there a little more nuance that you go with it uh, you know i
5: very rarely play the side on the leaves i more play the totals i lean over here in this game tonight uh you can get even money on over six. the the rangers can put up some goals here shesterkin hasn't been quite as dominant as of late and you know when you go up there and you play in 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 toronto you're going to probably have to get three to win um and i'm an under player but i lean i think this is a decent price on over six tonight Especially if
4: you're, you're getting that even money uh, yeah. number right now it, with the Maple Leafs right now, second in their division behind Boston. Heard the the, uh, the ESPN NHL panel last night saying the the whole Boston story this year is the most underreported thing in sports. You go, would you go that far
5: to say that? So with with I mean, they have been dominant, but I mean, it's still the regular season, it, right? I mean, That's the thing it's the regular season. They're on a pace where they could set the all time points record, and and up, what was it? Oh six, oh seven. Detroit that had the all-time, but I mean, how are you going to sustain thirty-nine, five and four, whatever they are, and only one regulation loss at home? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I still think you know that they've got to get through. I mean, I think an underreported story is how good the Bengals defense is. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna talk to a beat reporter, but I mean, yeah. nobody talks about how good this Bengals defense is, and every other defensive coordinator's interviewing for a job, but theirs. <laughs>
4: There's a lot of underreported stories, and, and yes, Lou Anaruma, How is that guy not?
5: How is he not? How is mean, he not getting a
4: call? I mean, the Panthers interviewed like 16 guys, and Lou Anaruma was not one of them for the head coaching position. Go, hey, uh, Ken Dorsey got an interview too. Uh, don't think that looks so good right now. Uh, we will, yes, we will get into more of the NFL talk as we get into hour number two. When we return, Charlie Goldsmith, who is a beat reporter talking all things Cincinnati Bengals, will join the show as we get into our breakdowns of the AFC Conference Championship game. How has the line moved? And what are the latest injury implications going on in the AFC? That is still to come in hour number two, as well as Harry Gagnon from the Against All Odds podcast. I know Harry's ready to go. He always is with his conference championship plays. So we'll have Harry uh, coming up in about a half hour. That is all still next right here on the Lombardi Line.
2: Play.